This is the Kratom Science Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Gallagher, blog and social media writer for KratomScience.com, your source for all things Kratom. My guest is a stand-up comedian who's appeared on Conan, Kimmel, Rogan, WTF, and Getting Dug With High. For the past seven years, he's interviewed scientists on a wide range of topics for the podcast, Here We Are. In 2018, he starred in the documentary Psychonautics about his own experience with psychedelics. He's here to talk about science podcasting, Kratom, and his new comedy-slash-philosophy podcast called Mind Under Matter. It's comedian Shane Moss. Just wanted to talk about your new podcast, Mind Under Matter, which I fucking love. It is, uh, I really like uh, Ramin, and because uh, I've heard yeah. of you a couple of years, but I, I, he's new to me, and and uh, he did his uh, Jordan Peterson impression. <laughs> I was cracking up, waking uh, my wife up. Killer with... <laughs> impressions. That dude, I, I don't even understand how one human being can be so talented. I'm just ridiculously lucky to be friends with and have have had been collaborating with uh ramin nazer for so long he's he's uh a lot of people so he his work's kind of blown up on instagram i mean uh, you know blowing up is relative i suppose but he has he, he's sneaking up on two hundred thousand followers and stephanie it, it just puts out these wonderful uh kind of quirky little art pieces that are a lot about like mindfulness and being an artist and productivity and that sort of stuff, but done in a quirky kind of way. And uh, a lot of people don't, don't know how incredibly hilarious he is. And so um, I'm happy that we have a podcast together where uh, people get to uh, hear us, hear us riffing and while talking about those big ideas. Yeah, I was going to ask, um, you know, how did how did uh, you get the idea to do a podcast? But you can actually listen to it on episode zero of Mind Under Matter. He just sort of asked you, and and it's it's obvious that you guys enjoy each other's company. And I'm a big comedy podcast guy. I listen to tons of them every week, and this is such a great um, new original one that I laugh out loud at several times. So <laughs> thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it well, it makes it, that it makes me laugh out loud and and I think that's one of the keys to um a lot of successful shows is that you know, it it's it's not comedy's so subjective and everyone has different sensibilities and you know, ev- everything everything tickles you in different ways and and there's there's a ton of comedy that I love that I think is like some of the best comedy in the world that doesn't make me laugh out loud yeah, or, or makes me just that, that I kind of, I appreciate it and it amuses me. And I'm just not a, I'm typically not that big of a laugher, but Ramin is just my friend that, uh, uh, that, you know we we all have that one friend that just like gets us in just the right way mm-hmm. and Ramin's one of one of those for me and so i die laughing like i like i don't do talking with basically anybody else there's very few people in the world that make me laugh like that and that's so enjoyable for the listener you know this, mm-hmm. this is a, <laughs> i think a big 
a, a big part of uh, not not that first Burt Kreischer isn't um, funny and stuff on his own, but a big part of his popularity is just he has such a ridiculous laugh and it just is it it's just so amusing to hear someone else laughing like that you know yeah. it, it's it's like the difference between it's why you don't do stand-up comedy in a studio you know yeah. it, it's it, it laughter is that contagious thing and you you need to hear it's why i'm not doing distance shows right now um mm -hmm. because you need that energy and so um you, you know I, i'm i'm sure i'm sure that ramin's jordan peterson impression doesn't tickle every human being on earth in the same way that it does me but <laughs> that that we connect on that you know it's just it's just chemistry and and uh and and that's it's important when you find um special friends like that in life and and when you're able to collaborate with that with them and it can lead to something really special so I'm super pumped about the uh, about the new show. Mindunderpod.com to find out more. We're doing all sorts of uh, all sorts of cool stuff with it. We're combining art and animation and cool editing stuff and uh, a ton of things. So follow us on Instagram too. Yeah, yeah, we'll put all the links up in the description. And you have ten ten episodes recorded already that are that are in the can, right? Yeah, we have. Well, we have. We have, because we we experimented basically within the first two episodes or so. I was like, "This is great. We need to like really ramp this up. This this can't just be, you know, we're just recording this off of our off of our web cameras and in uh, in front of like some cap." crappy background and the angle off and everything we need to set up a full you know studio for each of us and everything else and so we kept on delaying things but yeah we have we have more we have like 20 different things that we've recorded but only so yeah we have we have like six or seven full episodes of mind under matter but then we've been doing a series mind under art which is me asking ramin about all of his pieces and then we us going off on a riff about some of the meaning behind them as a mm. patreon only series and then we are doing like a bonus um mind under matter each month on patreon that we've already recorded three of and we're doing like all these other ridiculous so yeah we've been we've been recording things for for months is the point. Yeah, we we have a ton in the bank, so that's it's awesome. gonna be a fun summer. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely doing the Patreon too. Definitely, uh, I'll put that link up too, so people can look at that. Um, and your main podcast that you've been doing, I guess, seven years now is uh, close to it. What's that? Close to it. Yeah, it's about close six to seven and a half years. Yeah, yeah. Here we are, and that's your science podcast. So anybody that's listening to this that hasn't heard of Shane before and you want to hear and you like when I interview scientists this guy's been doing it he got five years on me and it's awesome <laughs> and it's like it's really good you actually go to their labs and stuff and and uh episode before 320 COVID, yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah before COVID uh 
329 is the Kratom episode uh, with Mark Swagger. I said that before, but there's tons of episodes that I think this audience specifically would like. Like, there's like 314 about chronic pain. We get a lot of chronic pain people Mm. in the Kratom community. Uh, There's a lot about addiction. There's a lot about, there's one about healing with Iboga. Um, Going back to 99, there's an episode about drug policy that people would be um, interested in. There's PTSD. There's every, every kind of thing you can think of. And, and it seems like you have a lot of fun to do and you're like me i don't have a science background either but it seems like Mm -hmm. this is how you're learning about it you're talking to the experts well when when you when you can be aligned with your natural inclinations and natural curiosities and everything in in life i think that's really something special because you can just bring so much more energy to it and it gets you through even even those days that you don't feel like doing it that you don't feel like getting ready to hit the record on the thing or putting the equipment to get it it gets you through you know so i i'm always happy for you know it doesn't need to be some like oh this this guy talks with scientists what's he think he's super smart it's yeah it's just you know, if football is your thing, if working on cars is your thing and and you you find a way to nurture that, I think that is uh, uh, that that is such a powerful for I, I, I think that that even that's even more important than, say, someone that's a scientist that doesn't really like what they do, <laughs> you know, that, yeah. that show that shows up like and and clocks in each day or whatever and so um i to me it's it's incredible that i i get to reach out to these these people and just have some of my answers about life answered or or have someone that studies various subjects um kind of inform me on these endless fields of of research that there are out there and I, i have a you know things like alternative medicines or psychedelic you you mentioned kind of some of the we did a dmt episode last year too but i actually i stay away from the subject those subjects even though i i had a psychedelic tour and everything i don't do them on my here we are podcast that often like Mm -hmm. directly but many of the experiences that I've had in life with pain management, with psychedelic experience, with mindfulness, with those things that, that are, um, uh, usually not associated with academia, um, as much. Yeah. I, I use those experiences in every interview that I'm doing. You know, if I, if I'm talking with someone about how memory works, I'm drawing on past experiences of my own relationship with memory and my own relationship of uh, uh, my own experiences of, of like what happened on a mushroom tank and a float tank or yeah. a mushroom trip on a float tank or something like that. And using that to then ask more grounded questions about, you know, psychology or behavioral economics or, or personality differences or whatever else. So it's it's awesome, man. I I don't know where you're at on your kind of journey of interviewing scientists, but there's a lot of uh, for me anyway. There was a lot of imposter syndrome that came along with it in the beginning, and still creeps up quite a bit. But um, you know, you just kind of get keep on getting better and better at it, and and science is kind of its own language. And you talk to enough scientists, and you kind of like 
they just have a manner of speaking that's that's just a a, a little bit different than than the average um person it's just yeah. a different sort of job and once you kind of learn how to talk that talk i'm not saying like a bunch of jargon but just the way in which like scientists will say that they don't know um something exactly more, more readily than almost anyone else on the planet i even had that one of my questions uh actually mark swagger you asked him a question that i asked him when he was on and i said and i cut it out because he said it you know, he doesn't know much about that, but I asked him about, um, like, the brain chemistry, and he said, I don't know, I'm a social scientist. That's mm -hmm. th To me, that's the difference between whether you're talking to a scientist or whether you're talking to a TV pundit with a uh, medical degree, because the TV pundit will act like he's an expert on everything. The science will, scientists oh, yeah. will say, I don't know, I haven't studied it. <laughs> like, they have nothing to hide. That's the other refreshing thing about talking to scientists versus maybe like politicians or somebody that's a pundit that sells books i mean even <laughs> even uh if i mean you ask me about something you'll probably get an answer out of me whether i know about it or not you know this is <laughs> and, and this is this is uh, something that's happening in the world of podcasting and stuff too i actually think it's a little bit problematic looking at kind of my own field of of uh you know, stand-up comedy is something that I've loved my entire life, and I, I was lucky enough to uh, have some success early on. I've been lucky enough to, until COVID, make a living touring and everything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I I have to say, um, you know, we're, we're an entertaining and interesting bunch, but we also, uh, uh, comics tend to kind of overestimate how much they actually know about the world, and they kind of... <laughs> you know are used to getting on stage and barking their opinions at an mm. audience and and not having their opinions questioned very much and boy i i i actually think a lot of uh a lot of podcasting these days is is hijacking um some of the some of the information age and and we're kind of going through an awkward learning experience experience um with that as well where kind of conspiracy theories that are really juicy and exciting are kind of uh a, a, a lot a lot more prominent out there than some of the boring old nitty-gritty this is how a this is how a virus works this is how a vaccine works you know yeah. sort of sort of thing and and uh and so we gotta we're gonna have to watch out for that with things like kratom and everything else too. oh yeah I know from being in the psychedelic world that it's you know i i've oversold psychedelic experiences myself sometimes i'm sure you know i i hope that i'm kind of the grounded guy um that's that's the general positive feedback that i tend to get even though i've gone way too far with in my own experience when i talk about the substances i i try to not be prescriptive or uh, make, make these things sound like this perfect silver bullet that's going to just fix everything in their life and yeah. it's just easy to sell things that way and people respond to it too people respond to confidence people respond to uh someone sounding very sure of themselves and i don't yeah. think that a lot of people are malicious when they're doing these things i think they're just kind of misguided and that's why i love hearing someone say I don't know. 
who would answer. You talked about having your own biases cleared up or or and being open to even being contradicted by a guest or the science and mm-hmm. so do you find that is in general good for your mental health like kind of just keeps you in check yeah i mean i'm gonna be perfectly honest it's not always great for confidence in yeah. the moment and like i said imposter syndrome and Man, just learning in general just can make you feel so stupid. If you're if you're truly <laughs> learning, you're probably yeah. learning how off you were on a bunch of things all of the time. And and it can be really humbling and sometimes in humbling it can be really great and sometimes it can be a bit much. Some and and some and so but at the end of the day you get used to that and you and you start learning mastery over that you know mm. the things in life yeah you, you have this if you're you're probably are you familiar with dunning kruger at all yeah 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 so this idea that we that that people the le- the less usually the less someone or people that know the least about a subject uh, are the most confident in how much they know about yeah. it. It's just because we simply can't know what we don't know until we actually start digging into something and everything in life. We go, oh my gosh, this is far more complicated than I realized. And then your confidence takes this huge dip. And then over time, it starts going up again because you do have experience with that. And that that's just a generalized system about how the brain works and how life works that you can implement toward everything in life. So over time, when taking on a new subject or something, you can start to go, well, now I at least have experience taking on things that I don't have experience with. And so I know that maybe I'm going to overestimate how much I know about this in the beginning beginning i know my ego is going to take a hit right away when i ask these dumb questions Mm -hmm. and then over time if i if i uh, approach it with with patience and um and curiosity i'll start to gain a bit more mastery uh with this over time and that's uh just been life-changing for me so it's it hasn't been it hasn't been the easiest journey, let's say confidence wise. Not that I ever had that much confidence in life, <laughs> but ultimately it it has um, it has greatly improved uh, just my confidence in things. And it's not it's not false. I'm sure I have all sorts of false confidence in many things, but <laughs> but it but it's a real it's a real knowing. It's a, an ability to make accurate predictions about the future and and what you know um, when you've learned that lesson uh, enough times. So um, so anyway, it feels great to know everything now. But yeah. before it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that definitely sounds like me because I was like hired as a content creator for this kratomscience.com website and I didn't know anything about Kratom. I knew a little bit about really drug policy and stuff and so I started writing about that but 
I um, now I'm all I'm thinking about all the stuff when I started to take a stab at the science that I know now that I didn't then, and I was like, ah, you know, I, why did I put that out there? <laughs> but yeah, that's that's oh, kind of course, man. Yeah. It's always gonna be like that, <laughs> yeah. you know. Every every it's like that for comics. Any comic that's self aware, every comedy special you make, anything that you put out there, you're gonna look back and. You know, some of it's going to be amusing and some of it's going to be like, "Ooh, I would have made different choices there. Or, oh, that joke wasn't quite where it was supposed to be. But yeah, yeah, that's just how it goes. And you said uh, comedy and science are both trying to observe and articulate parts of the human condition. Um, and I guess, you know, this is kind of what we're talking about, but it's like both fields also take years and years of work to even feel like you've accomplished anything, I think. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, typically, I had a fast rise in comedy, almost too fast, but uh, yeah. it, it gave me an inflated sense of confidence. But yeah, I mean, but but comedy is also one of those things where where confidence, even if it's false confidence, can kind of get you <laughs> get you a, a long ways in the beginning. Um, uh, in terms of in terms of just you know, pe- people want to watch someone that looks like they believe in what they're saying (laughs) yeah even if what they're saying is off people usually respond to the amount of confidence um someone has in a belief more than they do the amount of confidence they should have in the in the the belief but um yeah science is is a whole other animal but it's also to me i think it's pretty welcoming and accessible it not not everyone should if you've never say you're say you're 30 40 years old you never liked science in high school and you haven't read a science book in your adult life and you're like all right science i'm gonna give it a try (laughs) and the first thing you try to do is read some jargony paper on kratom or something like that (laughs) you're gonna be like what how can anyone understand this thing? Oh, I, I could never get this stuff and it's just you're just starting in the wrong place you know it's yeah. just uh baby steps and there's plenty of pop science books out there that and then you learn over time that you can't okay well sometimes pop science books have their own agenda and you can't you got to take some of it with a grain of salt yeah. and don't take you know the inclination is to read you know you read a book and you're like, I just read a book and this book is so important and I got to tell everyone about this thing and this is my new Bible. <laughs> and then you read the next book. You're like, oh, okay. Well, that was just one take on things. Yeah, yeah. And what about like curiosity is kind of what what makes you learn outside of uh, education like I went to college for a liberal arts degree so I nothing about science I might as well not have gone to college in terms of knowing anything about science um, mm-hmm. but but I think just I just have a lot of curiosity and that's that's definitely what I hear when I listen to your podcast yeah is, is there a science behind curiosity that you know of like why some people are curious and others aren't yeah, I mean, there's there's uh, probably the main thing um, would be so there's there's kind of some there's some nice personality research out there that again it's not perfect but it's it's 
nice because it's really accessible and it does make some pretty nice predictions about life um, and and our different uh, personality traits. But there's there's these kind of big five personality traits that uh, so a lot of people have heard of Myers Briggs. That's something mm-hmm. that's kind of um, not popular and amongst um, personality researchers these days but it's the general idea is um, you have these these five personality traits they determined this by listing every single you know hundreds thousands of different personality traits that they could um, uh, that they, and then they studied that uh, you know through surveys and you know analyzing people they, they figured out that there's like these kind of five umbrellas that they could categorize things that all of the other traits fell under one of these five umbrellas, which is conscientiousness. Like I'm low in conscientiousness. I'm a very messy kind of disorganized person. Then there's agreeable, uh, agreeableness. Um, and I'm like a little low in agreeableness. I, I tend to, uh, um, if you check my Twitter, I tend to like, be a little short with people and bigger with people and stuff. And then there's, um, uh, neuroticism or, or kind of, uh, low, uh, or, or kind of, um, susceptibility to, uh, negative emotional states. And that is, uh, I'm actually in the middle there. Uh, and then there's, um, and then there's extroversion, um, which I'm kind of in the middle. I'm I'm reserved in real life, but I'm an extrovert on podcasts and on stage and that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So I fall in the middle. And then openness is the one that that has more to do with uh, curiosity. And so openness is uh, is if you're and mind you, people we evolved around this spectrum. Just just like there's just like there's more more colors on a spectrum than the human eye perceives or, or any other organism perhaps perceives we've kind of dialed into the ones that, uh, that evolution has shaped to be the most useful for our circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so, so with all these personality traits, most people fall in the middle and there's pros and cons to being one way or another. There's utility in being, both ways it, it takes all kinds to make the world go uh, go round and yada yada but if you're high in uh openness that that means that you're uh you're kind of open to new experiences you probably like traveling a bit more you probably like uh you, you know, this isn't in every single domain but but you, you probably have a tendency to um like more uh unique kind of movies or forms of art you like trying new foods a lot that sort of thing Mm. and 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 then if you're low in openness you tend to uh be much more into um tradition and and um uh, kind of a you you uh are stay close to your kind of knit group of in group you know your yeah. family your hometown you probably haven't traveled much you probably haven't yeah moved from your hometown much unless you're moved around through the military or something like that and uh uh, uh or, or for a job but you're you're kind of you're kind of not itching to get out and see the world and and um so that that's the that's kind of the major um 
component and openness also just goes down with with age too you know you're pretty open you have a lot higher openness and curiosity as a child yeah and then um you know for better or worse you tend to kind of uh, i mean it's a it's a good thing that we kind of dial in efficiencies uh over time and learn what we like in life and hone what we do and get better at it but we also kind of get stuck in and ruts and hold on to old patterns and stuff sometimes. So, so yeah, curiosity is, um, is associated with that. And then, like I said, in terms of, um, people jumping into reading a paper about Kratom and they've never read a science thing before in their life. Well, you, you want to, you want to do things that are out outside just outside of your comfort zone you don't want to go too far outside of it or it's going to be intimidating like that but if you can figure out what your comfort zone is and just keep on pushing the boundaries of just outside of it so it's a little bit challenging the brain just really loves that and um and it's it's going to be better for mental health and it's going to be better for learning and you'll probably take the things um uh fairly easy and so anyone can do this stuff. Any if, if, p- people are plenty capable, and some of it's about um, you know just just choosing to. Uh, yeah, I, I was gonna say I think any, anybody could have a science podcast and want if as long as they're sure. following their own curiosities and not trying to be like somebody else. The, it could be j- as unique as and they could all be unique <laughs> i think there's just so yeah. much in the and scientists i find are really accessible do you find that as well i mean that's the whole thing that i think is so sad about what i've seen over the last year is <laughs> watching people watching the conspiracy crowd be like well i don't know what these scientists are up to (laughs) have you asked them because (laughs) yeah they are itching to tell anyone that will listen yeah with with the patience that you could only learn from spending your career having to field stupid questions from freshmen (laughs) from like hungover (laughs) sleepy freshmen and and uh, that that don't give a shit and (laughs) and they they are so excited for that anyone gives a shit yeah it's crazy that most people just don't listen i'm i'm not saying people need to care about science yeah but because you don't need to like you know i'm not into cars you know you, you don't need to I don't need to know how an airplane works. Mm-hmm. I just can't I, I just can't not know how an airplane works and then when there's a maintenance issue, go, we don't need some mechanic. Let me bang <laughs> around in there with a wrench. Um, and exactly. all of a sudden I decide I know everything about how airplanes work. <laughs> and and so yeah, I, I find scientists to be incredibly, incredibly approachable. I, I think it's you know, it, it, the, the, the human mind responds to the idea of one person yeah, and, and these hi- and hierarchies, um, a lot. And so, so people tend to be like, oh, this is like Donald Trump versus Fauci. And then like <laughs> Bill Gates is in there and then like Elon Musk. And it's like, yeah, these, 
these like uh, these eight different superheroes and villains like fighting it out for the pe- <laughs> and that's not at all what they're there is no mad scientist that's like whipping up all of these things. This, this is, there's just like tens of thousands of people involved in something like understanding COVID or understanding vaccines or understanding global warming or something yes. like that. And it's, it's, uh, there's so many different facets of, and these are people that are just working, you know, these are just jobs these are these are uh, when i started the podcast uh, my my whole thing was um was i kind of wanted to be like the um the micro of of academia in a way actually reversed because micro is actually like some artsy prick that put on like (laughs) jeans and, uh, and like a denim shirt to like pretend like he's blue collar. He's like an opera singer or some shit. Yeah. And then and then went and sludged it out with the with the every man, so we can appreciate what it's like to empty a sewer or whatever. But but I love I love the idea of doing that, and that's what I wanted to um, I wanted to do to academia i wanted to be you know this guy that didn't have a college education that's been a fuck up my whole life and <laughs> you know didn't it, it, and just i wanted to show people that one these academics are just regular people doing you know interesting uh, uh weird little specialties and yeah. also i wanted to show um that anyone could kind of learn this stuff if they had a willingness to do so well, I guess let's get into your uh, Kratom experience here. Um, so a lot of anybody that listens to me regularly will probably remember you. Uh, you had an appearance in uh, the Leaf of Faith, the Kratom documentary. You. A lot um, of people wrote me from that, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And, you yeah. know, that came out on Netflix the same, like, within a couple weeks of when I started writing about Kratom, which was a good wow. introduction. Um, yeah. And and so you you discovered kratom after you broke both your ankles, I think, or both your feet. How how did that happen? Yeah. I broke both my heels. I I uh. was I was hiking. I went to take a. I, it wasn't so much a shortcut. I I was mostly having fun. I'm a bit of an adrenaline junkie. I really enjoy heights. Like I love heights. I have a very unhealthy relationship with heights and. Um, <laughs> Like I love like the edge of a cliff and hanging my feet off and like it's it just does something for me. <laughs> and there was a trail, and then there was a trail below a trail, and yeah. I was just jumping to the trail below, <laughs> and it was uh, it, it it was um, an ambitious uh, jump. Yeah, and um, and I I long story short i broke both of my heels and one of them exploded no oh, the other man. one wasn't a big deal it was just a little chip uh, by by comparison anyway yeah it was it was a mild inconvenience but the the one that exploded was was you know pretty kind of a it was a you know it was kind of a nightmare situation it's certainly <laughs> a lot worse things have happened to people um but it it was a it was a really complicated surgery that they almost didn't want to perform because of how complicated it it was and uh there was there was concerns about whether i was going to 
walk like normally again. I ended up getting a bone infection, needed a second surgery. There was like, there was a small chance I was like maybe going to lose my foot and everything for a while there. And, and, um, six months on the, on the mend, um, from the first surgery before the second surgery had to happen because it ended up being a bone infection. The first surgery never healed properly mm. and got infected. And that's when, that's when, uh, that's when things kind of got really scary actually. And then, uh, but you know, got, got through that. Um, so it was like a year on crutches and then I, I started, uh, I started trying to, uh, use a cane. That was the real hard part. The year on crutches wasn't that bad. There, there was, there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of hardship and everything else, but mm -hmm. it was, there was something like, I don't know. I just kind of accepted that better. And there was just something about when I moved to a cane, it was like, okay, I'm going to start using a cane now. And this is, it was like a real light at the end of the tunnel. It was, it was, it was kind of like where um, the things kind of got screwed up with the messaging with COVID and Trump saying that things were going to uh, go away like a miracle or whatever. And people hearing two weeks and another two weeks and blah, 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 where, where that's kind of the thing that breaks you, where you get your hopes up and then it's kind of crushed over and over again. And, and that, that's what sort of happened with, uh, with my, with my cane yeah. situation. And so now, cause it didn't really hurt being on crutches, you know, I wasn't putting weight on it. And then you know, I was kind of going through it and was a fair amount of pain and wasn't using any pain pills or whatever. And I was kind of getting through it. Okay. Uh, I, I had used, um, you know, early on, I got prescribed some stuff and I, I even kind of OD'd on, uh, on pills one night too. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, I was going to ask about that. Like, uh, depending on the time period, you might have had a hard time getting uh, any pain medication, or mm -hmm. or if it was long enough ago, you could have got as much as you want <laughs> wanted. Uh, yeah, well, I no, I mean, I ended up like getting some from a friend. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that had been in a car accident and had like a stockpile of of, of yeah. pain meds, and. Um, yeah, cause the doctor had like actually inappropriate, like inappropriately kind of cut me off. Um, not yeah. realizing that cause I, I told him I was still having a fair amount of pain and he wasn't believing me uh, and it was because I had a bone infection Yeah, and he wasn't diagnosing it. Um, and I almost lost my foot because of it. Oh, um, but, but, uh, and so that's why I was in more pain than, um, he figured I should be in. Yeah. And so, so anyhow, you know, skip forward to me being on this cane and I'm in, I'm in Wilmington, North Carolina, uh, one night at this dead crow, um, comedy show. And I'm, I'm on my cane and everything. And what happened? Oh, I was just complaining about it to comics. I, I was just like, God, I'm just, Sorry, guy, because we were walking around town and I was like, ah, my foot's like, I might not be able to go bar hopping with you guys or whatever. My my foot's giving me a lot of grief tonight. And they're like, yeah. oh, you should you should we should go to the Kratom bar. And I was like, <laughs> what's that? And then they tell me about what Kratom was. And I'm like, sure, you know, I'll try anything. 
Yeah. Um, and it, like, I'm, I'm not, I'm not the most responsible drug user in the world. I'm kind of <laughs> an adventurous person. Yeah. I'm, I'm not telling people they should do things the way that I do them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, people should do their research. I just don't always, uh, do my, I'm, I'm an impulsive person and a risk taker, but so we go to this Creighton bar and I have this, you know, putrid tasting tea <laughs> that doesn't do anything. And then I'm like, all right, give me a second one, you know, and then I make a double or whatever. And I do that and I just start my mood just starts lifting yep. <laughs> a bunch. Mm-hmm. And then I'm all of the sudden, all of a sudden, I, all of a sudden yeah it's all of a sudden right not the sudden Someone i think it's uh on that. I'm, i go with yeah, it's, uh. Uh. it's uh some people say the yeah i think myself, that's wrong and that's incorrect it is it's absolutely wrong <laughs> we're learning we're growing together when i say we i mean i i don't mean to put it on you you were saying it correct but um but there is yeah i started i started walking and i had it was my foot felt normal. My foot felt pain-free for the first time <laughs> in this was probably 15 months or something like that. And it went from horribly painful to uh, pain-free plus the positive mood plus the euphoria, which, you know, that's the thing that people don't want to hear about is the euphoria that can oh my gosh and you feel good yeah. well you shouldn't have things that make you feel sure we could eh, yeah we we should take care of pain of course but we don't have things that make us feel good that's <laughs> uh, hedonic and that's a big uh, issue sinful. in the kratom community i'm like they say, well, you can't really describe it as high. And I'm like, it would be a lot cooler if it did make you high. So what? We should still be. Uh, that shouldn't yeah. be a political point that, no, no, it doesn't get people high at all. Uh, yeah. Who cares if it does? We should still have the right to consume it. You know? Yeah. The things that make us feel good, we just automatically make them illegal for some How How about all these stupid feel-goodery platitudes like no no more no more platitudes no more motivational speaking we're gonna make that (laughs) illegal we're gonna we're gonna make pleasant sounding mantras illegal because they might make you feel good um there but yeah so you know i felt and i and i get the concern about addiction and everything and Mm -hmm. and but you know so how long how long yeah. a period of time were you using Kratom? Well, I wouldn't say I was ever using it regularly. Yeah. I just tend to go in streaks of, th- of, of things. Yeah. And so it's always, I, I tried to reserve it for when it was acting up the most. Mm-hmm. And, and I would also notice that, you know, the downside of Kratom was I didn't feel like I could depend on it regularly through the day. I felt like, if I saved Kratom to when I needed it, it would give me relief for three or four hours or something like yeah. that. And and even every day it would do that if I wanted to. But I, I didn't I didn't personally have luck with maybe if I would have changed the way or done some research or whatever, I didn't have much luck with re-upping things. 
And when I did try to say do Kratom twice in a day or something, I, I did feel like um, it would negatively impact my mood. Yeah. Um, I, I did feel sometimes there was, um, there were things that were like, uh, withdrawal-y ish, like type, uh, like, like being short with people or something that would happen if I kind of misdosed or went a little overboard or especially just trying to do it like two or three times in a day. And like trying to chase the the dragon a little bit would kind of just just put me on edge. And mm-hmm. so you know, this is all my kind of trial and error and learning as I go. And then um, I would just kind of, after a while, I would go for really long periods of time without doing any kratom. Yeah, uh, you know, I w- I would go for like a month um without doing kratom then i'd go for like three months sometimes but often what would happen is as my foot continued to heal um it would it would act up like three days out of a month where it would be a lot more painful than usual Mm. and it would be though then i would take kratom for like that week or something like that every day for like five days or something. Yeah. And, um, and that was my relationship with it, um, for a long time. And it was just nothing, but I shouldn't say nothing, but a positive experience, but yeah, was, I mean, I got grumpy at people sometimes or, or whatever, but it was, it was hugely impactful in uh, managing pain, which then, I, I mean, for for a little bit of uh, getting anxious with people or something like that, that may or may not have happened. I mean, pain pain does much worse than that, and I was I was in you know pain does a number on your mental health too, and so yeah, I. I had, uh, and, and I got, I happened to mention Kratom when I was on, um, when I was on Joe Rogan in like 2016 or something Uh like that. And so, and then I guess that's how you found or whatever. That's how I ended up on the documentary. And, and that was just like, I've just heard tons of positive I, I don't think that I, I, I mean, I've had people write, like, like say if I posted something on Facebook or whatever, I I've heard, um, negative stories from people of use, but mm-hmm. I've never had anyone write me and say, like, I took Kratom because of you. And I wish I never would have, I had this negative thing with it. I've only heard people say just amazing things. I, I mean, I, I had someone, I had some couple like propose at one of my comedy shows because Kratom had saved their lives and like got wow. off That's of pretty crazy. heroin or something like that. Yeah. There's a lot and, of stories like that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people proposing at comedy shows after oh, that- their heroin addiction from uh, with Kratom. <laughs> yeah. That, that old, I just meant the heroin part, but yeah. Uh, yeah. I, um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, here here's an interesting story too. Um hopefully interesting is one of the last times that I did Kratom was um 
was last year. Mm. I just had, I had, I happened to have a bunch of Kratom just sitting around that mm. I hadn't used. And I was playing pickleball, which is like old person tennis, basically. Mm. And, uh, and I went for some shot and, you know, it was like I was running one way and then had to twist to turn the, uh, hit a ball going the other direction and yeah. just like things moved in opposing directions in ways that they weren't supposed to. And something just happened in my spine and I felt it instantly. I was like, Ooh, Whoa. Oh, oh, and, but, but I was able to keep playing and it wasn't that big a deal. And then later that night, I was just like, God, my back is like, is it the chair that I'm sitting in? What's going on? And I'm like, oh, I think it's that. I think it's from twisting it during pickleball. <laughs> and then another couple hours go by, and this nerve pain is just going from my lower back and just shooting through Ooh. all of my body and is becoming unbearable. And I know you know, this nerve pain isn't going to kill me and I'll probably get past, but I'm also thinking, well, but do, how long is this going to last? I went a whole day. Like I tried to sleep through it, couldn't sleep all night and everything. And I'm like, do you go to a hospital for this COVID's happening? I don't want to be anywhere near a hospital. Yeah. Uh, what, what do I do? Do I get do I get acupuncture? Can I get emergency acupuncture? Could someone slide me in? Is there acupuncture in the city that I'm, at? I'm like <laughs> going through all these thoughts and like, oh, but should I, maybe I should eat some weed, which I don't normally like that much, but whatever. Yeah. And then finally, um, I just decided that I would try uh, create. I, it occurred to me, I was like, oh, I have all this Kratom that I haven't used <laughs> and I hope it's still good. And so I just had a bunch of Kratom and man, like an hour later, just that nerve pain just completely went away and I'm feeling great. And then, you know, the next day nerve pain starts up again, need to take Kratom again. And then from that, I was on like a little Kratom kick for like, five six days wasn't just using it for the nerve pain necessarily it was also mm -hmm. just feeling delightful um from it and then and then just like i'm just like i'm just gonna use up the rest of this take it this week and kind of explore this state I, I like writing in different mental states yeah and uh and then i i felt no inclination to buy more kratom after that and i didn't have any withdrawal or anything like that and I think that's amazing. If, if you can, I, I'm not sure everyone's going to be able to have a relationship like that. And of course, I'd feel awful if, if someone was inspired to um, take creative when they don't currently have any um, problems, but end up having some addiction behaviors. I mean, people mm -hmm. can get addicted to all sorts of things. Yeah, I've always just thought, boy if i'm not getting addicted to this stuff who is i'm i'm the most addictive <laughs> personality in the world i mean i'm obsessive about things yeah. and i find a thing that i like and i go bonkers it doesn't matter if it's like 
women or some new science field or any like i go insane and mm. uh and so it, it's it's that's that's uh it's it's just just been great for me i kratom's always impressed me um of course i have i have found a hard time dialing in exactly what kind works for me exactly what dosage works for me yeah do you but, do uh capsules or yeah. tea okay yeah. yeah why is there is there a reason to do tea I, I, well i just wonder because um a lot of people here they just gobble tons and tons of it and it's not necessarily i mean you sound like you have a like a healthy use of it you use it when you're pain and then you just you know mm-hmm. if you, you want to feel good and then you stop but a lot of people who are in chronic pain use it every day they eat tons of powder and that's only very recently since it's come to the west like traditionally they make it as a tea with fresh leaf or they chew it and spit it out and some of the it's just a big it's just a question as to the people that are doing tons of it day after day in day out year after year just to deal with permanent chronic pain problems is that is it you know healthy for them is it okay for you know just their liver it's just like you said like a uh, massive amounts of anything are are not necessarily healthy no matter how even if it's more innocuous a thing as kratom but um yeah i mean i, I drink a tea people to abuse something that leads to liver issues or whatever I yeah mean, i haven't i haven't done the research people should definitely look into it and hopefully there will be a lot more research in the future but yeah i mm-hmm. i just i just can't stand the taste of this stuff so i'm yeah. i'm a capsule i'm a capsule boy cb yeah yeah whatever whatever works i mean most people can handle doing under say five grams of powder a day or something like that and uh, or under 10 really i mean but once you get above that and there's a lot of there's a lot of issues with um you know companies or you could just get anything from indonesia and uh most of the time and so a lot of the sources are maybe not as good as another source stuff like that Mm so so there's yeah so there's issues with that i mean but if if you get a good source it's mostly pretty safe but it's just as it gets more popular they're gonna have to put some regulation on to it so yeah well i mean it it does i i it's it's funny to hear myself even say this is like you know looking back and being uh you know like such a um anti-establishment rebel and everything my my whole life but Mm -hmm. you know if you if you just get if you're just gonna have this stuff in gas stations and bong shops and stuff yeah. do you do you really think that it's going to help that many people and and is that is that what you want it to be in the world or do you or do you want it to uh you know be regulated to know what you're getting to know to have a standardized thing where you know mm-hmm. kind of how much and what what uh, the effects are going to be for you mm. and and something that even even maybe doctors will be prescribing in the future or or um steering people towards and i i, I just you, you know for all of the for all of the problems that there are with um the medical establishment and of course big pharma and my god government and all this stuff mm. i mean 
there there's still there's a lot of reasons why we need a, a oversight and have oversight in in things and and uh you know if, if you if you think if you think those things are are corrupt but um but your uh your average um kind of wellness snake oil uh person isn't isn't peddling some motivated reasoning um you know you got another thing coming there there's there's uh there's a lot of bad actors out there that are like individuals um just peddling crap and putting some like woohoo label on and uh, like try the peace kindness um super wellness kratom cure all <laughs> mix and i mean that's that's not great for the world either and and people people these days tend to trust that more than say the fda but uh you know we, we do we do want uh, we should be critical of regulatory bodies but that doesn't mean that we don't want regulations on on food and medicine and kratom and stuff like yeah. that so I, I i would love to see a more standardized um model over time with with allowances for people to you know grow their own things make their own things and whatnot but definitely maybe, yeah yeah I, maybe, I, maybe you don't get to sell it if it doesn't pass certain things make it yourself share it with your friends but you know and another thing is like the alkaloid profile varies depending on how it's dried because when it's dried uh, like oxidants get added and that increases the 7-hydroxymetragene alkaloid that's more of the one with the opiate effects so it varies from batch to batch and blend to blend which is why people should know um, what what they're getting in it you know not that it's one's going to kill you and the other one isn't um, but I mean for one thing you know contaminants is an issue and um people adulterating it with you know drugs to to get give people more opiate effect has been a slight issue they say they're seeing less of that now but just the alkaloid profile in general it's kind of like with cannabis you know you get mm -hmm. cbd indica you know whatever with kratom it's it's kind of like that too because it it acts on so many of the brain receptors it acts on the adrenergic the opioid receptors and yeah. all of the receptors that fall into those categories and so a little and then the alkaloids there's like 40 different alkaloids and so a little tweaking of the alkaloid profile gives you a little different effects uh, i know that from personal experience and that's yeah. why you start small because i i mean i can tell you from personal experience i i've had i've had two capsules of a kind of kratom um that was more potent than having 10 12 capsules yeah. of of another kind of that was probably an right. extract too so there's like yeah. capsules with the extract in it and then there's uh -huh. capsules with just the plain leaf powder that's ground so right. yeah that's why you need just some kind of labeling but there's all kinds of weird bullshit in the politics too that uh, oh, you know there's i won't bore you be. with but it's just how the system works you know but yeah, um yeah. well there's a lot of there's a lot of people like bidding for power and trying to make a buck off of certain things and, and we all we all have our own motivated reasoning we all have our motivations for things we all have our we're all susceptible to confirmation bias and 
and everything else. And so, uh, you know, it's, it's just a tricky, complicated life. And we have to sometimes be cautious about how we uh, uh, navigate it when we're when we're talking about substances like this. I was watching the documentary and I'm like, wow, this guy uses like a lot of psychedelics. I've never done that much. I've done it about a hundred times. I've done acid or whatever. But then they got the part where he had the uh, Ibogaine uh, experience with the, the therapist. Oh, oh, ketamine. Yeah, that was ketamine. Yeah, yeah, ketamine. my bad. Um, and and he was asking about your alcohol use, and and you were like, and I was like, hey, that's me. That's how much I drink, uh, or I used yeah, to. Man. I don't quite anymore. Did you did you ever quit drinking? And if so, how did you quit? Yeah, I quit drinking for uh, years at a time. Mm. How mostly. I use this process of being yelled at by a girlfriend enough times. Um, and uh, it's not a perfect system, but. Um, that didn't work there's, with my ex wife. <laughs> yeah, there's. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, usually just something snaps in my head. You know, the first time I quit, I was just like, well, I'm going to take a month off of drinking. Yeah. And just see how it goes and then a month later my head was much more clear yeah than i would have imagined it um ever being and i realized oh i hadn't gone a day without drinking in you know a decade or something like yeah. that and um and so yeah so i quit for a few years then i started you know i'm always kind of testing my relationship with with things and and every time i start drinking again it goes pretty well for a while and i have some fun and then you know i i start it starts uh being susceptible to blackouts or whatever yeah i quit i quit drinking again um like last uh last june that lasted for like about six months and now i i've been just trying to stick with beer um yeah. and i haven't gotten out of control but i still just just having hangovers or just being, you know, I'm, I'm talking with scientists each week and everything. And I, I have a million different projects going on and just being a little low in energy or just having like the little bit of depression that sometimes comes along with drinking regularly yeah, or just having, um, you know, having the, the hangover from time to I just don't have the hours to lose yeah. anymore. I don't have, I can't take the hit in mood um, anymore, even though I might have a fun night or whatever. I can't, uh, and I can't just, I just can't take the IQ hit. Like I'm, <laughs> I, I am not smart enough to be doing like what I, what my ambitions want me to be doing and I, and to like, come anywhere near approaching what I'm what I'm trying to do I I just kind of need to be firing on all cylinders most of the time yeah and I just don't feel like you can do that um I don't feel like I can rather can do that drinking heavily on a regular basis but you know it's it's sometimes it's sometimes good to, and even even uh even a hangover um from time to time can be kind of a beneficial <laughs> experience uh, depending on how you frame it yeah. but 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Usually just something, something kind of flips in my, in my head. And I just, I usually go cold Turkey. Yeah. A lot of people use Kratom for, uh, coming off. I mean, I've done it before. Well, I'm, I'm about I'd to take sure another to month. Never. <laughs> I, I I mean I don't think mixing alcohol and kratom is a very good idea. No, it's I don't not. Know how much you do that, but um, yeah, but I I think that that I I think that that's something people should be wary of. Um, Definitely. Yeah, yeah. But but people do. I've done it. You know. Yeah. But, so what you're gonna try? You're gonna try taking the little break from booze again? Oh, I'm gonna do that's that'll be after my birthday's tomorrow, my 45th birthday, and I'm gonna do oh, another happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, man. I'm gonna do another uh, month. Well, probably till the end of May. I'm taking some classes now, and I'm like, I'm taking classes, doing this, doing my job and stuff. So I'm gonna, I'm mm-hmm. like, it's gonna be so, it'll be so much easier if I take another break. So I used to take oh, yeah. one break one month a year, and now I'm doing several months a year. And eventually, I might just mm-hmm. be like, man, that's it. I don't need it anymore. I had enough. I had enough uh, time at the bar and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm not sure that alcohol has added that much to my life you know um but and certainly there's i mean when i look back on things and i mean the 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 main things that i would have done differently which is very few things i'm usually pretty accepting of of many of you know um my past failures and stuff and appreciating them for what they were but Alcohol's the one where I look back at it and it's like, really, dude? Was that necessary? <laughs> like, and so yeah, I, I I wish there was a I wish there was a pill that could or or something you could like smoke that would give you like that hangover feeling for five minutes or something like that. So before you before you drink, you're like, yeah, let me hit this hangover real quick and remind <laughs> myself like, oh, no, nope, don't like that feeling. Don't want to don't want to be that tomorrow. <laughs> I don't get a lot of hangovers. I tend to avoid them by uh, drinking in the morning again, <laughs> it, which is not which is dog. not I can't I can't sustain that kind of uh, lifestyle in, oh, yeah, into my 40s, older. you know. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but uh, okay, here one more question, and and sure. it was the only uh, the DMT question, uh, you know, uh, or ayahuasca. Um, it was kind of you know the culmination of uh, psychonautics, and and you had this whole thing where where you know it you wanted to be uh, an ayahuasca guru and tell everybody about it, and that was kind of the message. I had uh, Zach Walsh on here. He actually partnered with Dr. Swagger on a couple of Kratom studies, but he gave a talk about how looking at cannabis from the perspective of the plant, it it did the plant well to partner with these human beings who have an endocannabinoid system. So throughout history, if you look, uh, the cannabis plant always grew where human beings were. Uh, so mm. do you think, here's my weird question, do you think the... Uh, DMT molecule tried to propagate itself through that fantasy of getting you to be uh, a DMT guru. Um, yeah, I mean, so so this is like um, uh, uh, my, Michael Pollan has a book, The Botany of Desire, yes. which is kind of about th- this this idea of 
of uh, if if, uh, if 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 corn is uh, so genetically successful, and it's because of humans. Like, are 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 we? Uh, do uh, do we have dominion over corn, or is it controlling <laughs> yeah. our lives? And um, yeah, I I think that um, I I think that humans are pretty interesting creatures, and I think we've we've stumbled on any damn substance that we can get our hands on and make us feel a little peculiar and and whatnot. So. I, I don't I don't think that there is a, I mean there's a lot of people that disagree with me but yeah I, I don't think that there's a big intention um, with uh, with DMT and with it trying to uh, communicate or this is how aliens yeah. are talking to us or whatever it's it, I get why people think that and certainly feels that way when you smoke DMT that's what you're probably going to feel mm-hmm. the uh, experience is telling you but I mean it's we're also, uh, you know, every organism on Earth is fairly egocentric, and we tend to think we're all pretty special. And when we have these novel things happen, we're usually very excited to tell people all about it. And yeah, you know, we t- we take vacations and spend our whole time trying to take pictures for Instagram rather than enjoying the damn vacation. And <laughs> uh, and and so we just kind of um, we're social animals, and we tend to have. Uh, we, we we tend to have some of those underlying motivations, and I think that those mix with uh, uh, w- with these experiences and um, and end up uh, having some of those stories happen. Of especially men thinking they're um, prophets or or uh, whatever else, and so um, yeah. And I've seen it. I mean, having had some of those experiences myself, and then having watched other people just completely you know not give up on the idea that the mayan calendar is you know predicting this and that about the end of the world and like sure it was supposed to happen in 2012 but it did we just don't realize it yet and it's, <laughs> it's you know it's uh i get it i've been there but it's embarrassing yeah, mm-hmm. frankly and and that's the uh, that 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 kind of makes you double down um that that's one of the been one of the benefits of what i've learned from these experiences is that sometimes your mouth gets a little ahead of yourself and then you try to make up for it by spinning more and more narratives to correct like rather than just abandoning an idea we we don't want to like be wrong about a thing that we told people about and so we tend Mm. to keep on um spinning um narratives to to create some structure that makes it seem like it it was um that we were right even though it appeared we were wrong we were right after all and uh so yeah who knows if i if i smoked dmt right now i'd probably tell you that i got the message and everyone needs to listen to what the dmt entities had to say but those are just 
they're powerful experiences. <laughs> Terrence McKenna was always about because he talked about these self-transforming machine elves as though they were like actual creatures and not just mm-hmm. manifestations of like the workings of his own brain. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but yeah, no. I mean, there's one dude. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, he's a funny guy. He's a funny yeah, guy. Yeah, but it, no, I yeah. mean, I mostly wanted to talk to you about science podcasting, and you know, people can listen uh, listen to you, your thoughts on DMT and all that stuff, and uh, sure. everywhere, and um, and even you know, your you've told a lot about your biography, like on Mark Marin and stuff. So I just wanted to focus on the podcasting, the kratom, and the new podcast, and I. I think we did all that nice <laughs> yeah i appreciate it i hope listeners check out mind under matter pod.com new episode every monday awesome and uh and new here we are podcast every tuesday thank you very much shane moss check out mindunderpod.com herewearepodcast.com shanemoss.com the music is risey the song is memories of thailand the kratom science podcast is written and produced by me brian gallagher for kratomscience.com take care <laughs>